everyone, Tony and John here bringing you King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. Uh, coming back off a two-week hiatus, uh, John, does it feel good to be back? Sure does. Uh, got a lot to talk about. Big, uh, big moments ahead as the NBA Finals continue on. But uh, yeah, happy to be back. What about you? Yeah, I'm glad to you know start talking again. Um, you know that draft's coming up pretty quick. But before we get into that, let's uh, let's talk a little about about Kenny Atkinson going to Charlotte. Um, you know he interviewed with Charlotte. He interviewed for the Lakers. He didn't interview for the Kings, and I think um, you know that's very telling in itself, right there about maybe what that means about the Kings organization. That we probably already knew that maybe it's kind of a mess, and maybe Kenny didn't even want to give Sacramento the opportunity for him to interview for them. Um, but you know, I also kind of read you know maybe not speculation but fans are like well maybe he just didn't want to compete with his buddy mike brown for a job um which i can see you know as plausible in a sense and maybe you know the better case scenario of um you know the two the two options of why kenny didn't interview with the kings but i don't know it (laughs) the dude wanted to be a head coach again so um you would think that he would take any any interview he could get, and he definitely. I think James Ham reported that Kenny was on the Kings list of um, you know candidates that they wanted to, and you know when they um, gave the list of uh, candidates that the Kings could interview, Kenny was obviously off of it. So um, I don't know. Just kind of raises raises the belief that he just didn't want to deal with you know, basketball hell, the Sacramento Kings. What are your thoughts on this? Well, yeah, I mean, when you think back to, I mean, even before we started talking on this podcast, this, this, this young podcast, um, as, uh, you know, longer for, for the whole season, since uh, Walton was fired, you know, uh, Atkinson was at the top of a lot of people's lists. He was someone that was mentioned a lot. Um, you know, when we did speak about it in the spring, you know, uh, he was kind of the consensus kind of best overall pick, you know, he seemed like a great fit for the Kings, you know, someone who's, you know, uh, a good defensive coach that's very interactive with his players and builds a good community. Um, that just seemed like one of the best options. And, you know, McNair got his guy in Mike Brown, but, you know, it was a surprise that, you know, Atkinson, would not be even considered in the final seven, you know, or the what would have been the final eight, maybe, uh, coaching candidates. And, you know, it just, there's a possibility, of course, that maybe it had something to do with not wanting to compete with his buddy or whatever. Maybe Brown had his eyes set on this job. Who knows? We could find that out in due time. But man, it is hard to shake off the uh, impression that he didn't want to be a part of this organization. You know, um, one of the big things with him was that he kind of went through a rough situation in Brooklyn. He had an uphill battle to get into, uh, to get uh, the Nets into a good position when he took over a very young and inexperienced team with no draft capital because they traded away all their picks to get two 
former superstars that were over the hill by that point, and Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, um, and tried to revamp their offense. And were they were they were like an eight seed or something like that. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, he takes over that team, makes him good, has the whole circus with all the stars coming in and having a lightweight mutiny against him. You know, he knows what a bad situation is. Um, and he was in good situations under Tyron Lue in Los Angeles last season. And then this season, you know, he's in the finals as an assistant coach. You know, he knows what a good situation is. He, he, he knows the spectrum. And it wouldn't be surprising if he just, based on the, those, you know, experiences in the NBA uh, as a coach, that he wouldn't want to even get involved with an owner like Ron Adibe, with an organization that's run by him. So it's it speaks you know a lot to what we already know, but uh, you know it just reminds us that uh, you know there's a lot of work ahead. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know he's not on that last seven. It just that, that I feel like that's the big hint that it, it was really he didn't want to be involved. I don't know um, because I feel like there would have been you know when James Ham made that report. I feel like, um, or he said that on the podcast or on uh, ESPN 1320, um, you know, I think that there probably would have been an openness to him not wanting to battle it out with his buddy, or maybe he didn't want to give it away that it was pretty clear that Brown was going to get the job in Sacramento. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think about that specifically? Um, well, kind of thinking about it, while you're talking right there, um, you know, talking about not wanting to, you know, fight his other assistant coach for a job. Well, I mean, you, you had two assistants from the Bucks battling it out in the same interview. Um, you know, can't uh, inter- uh, <laughs> same, uh, you know, seven people. I can't speak right now. You know, you had Charles Lee and Darvin Ham is what I'm trying to say. And so they were, they were the assistants on the Bucks. So I guess that, doesn't necessarily disprove that, you know, maybe Kenny didn't want to fight Mike Brown on it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, the but, difference is there's two coaches that have never co- had been head coaches in the NBA versus two coaches that have been head coaches. That's the only big difference there. That Yeah, very true. But, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like, these guys have experience. Maybe they're not, you know, so desperate to get a head coaching position. Or, you know, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe, like, you know, Kenny probably didn't want to get fired by the Nets. And, you know, Mike Brown's been under um, Kerr for a while. He hasn't been head coach for a long time. And, of course, these guys want to get back in that head coaching position. So maybe they, you know, maybe they want it even more because they had that taste of, you know, being at the helm. Right. Um, you but, know, who, who knows? It, it, it could. Yeah, what were you going to say? No, I was thinking, though, about because you, you mentioned, like, wanting to get back out there. It was interesting because Atkinson, before he got the the, the job in, in Charlotte last week, um, he said that he, he doesn't feel any pressure to take any job that he doesn't want because he he, he's, he's in that good situation. And so, I mean, like, <laughs> that too. I mean, like, gee whiz, I don't know. Uh, yeah. About, no, I mean, talk about that, you know? No, yeah. You know, in that article you wrote yesterday um, – you mentioned that he he didn't, he was waiting for the perfect opportunity, right? He was waiting, you know, he, he didn't feel pressure. He liked living 
in Northern California is what he basically said. And so you have, a, you know, the other team in Northern California too, which, you know, mm-hmm. he was, it seemed like he was talking up like the location of where he was. He really liked that. Not saying, you know, that's the only thing that mattered to him in a head coaching position, but, um, you know, I mean, you made some good points in that article. Um, like I thought it was kind of weird, like, okay, like he liked Northern California. Um, you compared the Hornets and the Kings to being like a similar kind of franchise, like, you know, the Hornets, you know, they have a bright future with LaMelo and, um, you know, the, in Miles Bridges and, you know, the Kings look like to be on the up and up with, you know, getting Sabonis last season, having the fourth pick. Yeah, um, both are poised for this upcoming season. Exactly. And so, but then you have like, but on top of that, you know, going back to it, it's like, all right, like the location's not far from San Francisco. You really like living in the Bay Area and you still, I mean, not Sacramento is obviously not the Bay Area, but, you know, Northern California is Northern California. And, um, you know, he decided to go across the, across the country and go to Charlotte. I'm not saying Charlotte's a bad city or anything. No, 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 of course. But just to know, I mean, I, Vivek Ranadive, I think, still lives in Silicon Valley. Yeah, exactly. Primarily. It's not far. Yeah, you, you definitely live there in the off season. Does he take but, a helicopter? Uh, or am I making that up? Did I dream that? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Honestly, uh, I couldn't. I'm not, I, I, that's, I don't even feel like looking that up. I'm just going <laughs> to keep imagining that he does. But don't take that from me, folks. And I would like that. It'd be kind of cool. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't heard why Atkinson didn't interview for the Kings. I, I really thought like, okay, Atkinson's not on this list. Like we're going to hear why he isn't, but you know, it's been what two months now. I, I don't probably about two months, right. Since that list came out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly really surprised. We haven't heard why Kenny wasn't on it. Um, I'm assuming we will one day uh, hopefully in the near future I, i'm Beth, definitely I, curious yeah. i mean i you know probably to confirm what we all think and he didn't want to you know get mixed around um i can see it now i can it. see like a, a sam amick article in the athletic yeah hundred like mentioning it <laughs> you know and maybe he didn't want to compete for the same job as mike brown or like people knew that mike brown was the heavy favorite or something like that which would you know on a side note, just to take this down a little side path. Okay. If we knew that, you know, if that, if it is indeed true that, you know, Mike Brown was the favorite and he was going to get the job, Atkinson didn't want to compete with him. Um, and that was the reason why that would lend a lot of credence behind the theory that you said a couple of months ago or a month ago, maybe, um, about the whole Mark Jackson being Rana Dibay's favorite and him like showing up to the, uh, the, the, the Western conference finals game or the playoff game in San Francisco, that all that was for show to really build up the idea, you know, that, um, he's just trying to kind of like flaunt the idea that he's still doing what he's doing. But then in the end, you know, he's not just kind of like showing that that danger is always being averted that is not in the water, but it still exists. He acknowledges that it's kind of an all optics game, you know, kind of just to kind of show like, you know, that he does have his hands off. You know what I mean? You remember what he said, what you said back then. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just kind of building up the, the fact that Monte does have control of the front office. Um, and even though Vivek, you know, he has his, he has his favorite. It doesn't matter. Because Monte made it, he got his the guy he wanted in the end. So, 
it was that what are you talking about yeah that would just kind of like lend you know they would just kind of beef that up it's just like wow that was all like everything was all set in stone for the most part yeah true um, and that all this other stuff just kind of was sort of theater to kind of uh accentuate a point that they wanted to get across and it's kind of like a pr job when you think about it mm-hmm. yeah it, it, honestly yeah it, it was kind of you know, publicity stunt, and maybe not publicity stunt, but you know, it was, you know, painting I would call picture. it that almost. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair because, enough. Because you know, it's just like all that stuff's made public. You know, it's all yeah. public. Just to and it prove was, a it point. Was, and it was big. You know, it was a big talking point at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I guess. Yeah. I guess you can. But. But you know, it just that whole thing just. It, at the end of the day, regardless of what happens with Atkinson, it's a reminder that the Kings have a lot of work to do. And, you know, speaking of Ronadive, he kind of has McNair's head on the line here in terms of getting to the playoffs. He wants the playoffs. It's all that or nothing. So, you know, um, they're going to have to do a lot. And, you know, James Ham wrote an article on his uh, – um, King's uh, beat uh, newsletter that uh, is about potential assets that the Kings have, about people that could potentially be traded, you know, mentioning like Harrison Barnes, uh, Rashawn Holmes. He even has Dante DiVincenzo in there and Davion Mitchell. But he has percentages for how likely it is these guys are going to move. I think Barnes was like 50-50. Holmes was like 90% chance he's going to be on the move. Uh, DiVincenzo was like 60% he's going to stay. And I think like Davion Mitchell uh, was a 90% chance of staying. So it was just kind of a thing to consider. Obviously, they traded Halliburton. You know, you should throw everybody out there. But, you know, it um, makes you think about kind of all the big assets that the Kings have. That I mean, ones that you can, that, that are often thought about. Uh, Harrison Barnes, you know, with his contract. And Rashawn Holmes with his contract and his kind of loss of a role uh, in general. Um, but then also talking about these other guys. And it kind of opens up your mind to the possibility, especially since the Kings have the fourth pick and there's talk about moving up, there's talk about moving back, all this stuff, getting a big name player, which would require the movement of money um, for the cap. And you know, it kind of starts opening your mind to the possibility of some of these guys getting moved. Not maybe not anybody more than uh, Barnes and Holmes necessarily, but you know, the DiVincenzo thing is interesting because of uh, the other. Uh, just to drop his name some more, James Ham report about uh, uh, his camp not being happy about being on the bench for his time with the Kings, despite arguably being the second or third best uh, guard at times. And, uh, you know, uh, it kind of makes you wonder because that's an interesting situation with him, you know? Yeah. No, it, it is. Um, I mean, I, I, I think Dave Vincenzo will be on the team, but, I mean, you do have to consider that. Um, and, you know, I, I, he liked Davion Mitchell. I, I know they weren't happy with him coming off the bench kind of delving more into that. Um, but I don't know. Divincenzo is kind of like 
a guy I'd rather come off the bench, regardless if he was playing better than Justin Holiday or not. Him and Mitchell off the bench together was like a nice little spark. And I don't know, like the potential for Holiday being a starter and stretching the floor was, I think, just had too much potential to move him to the bench. And DiVincenzo was playing well off the bench because, you know, you need you need the guy to come off the bench and play well um, as a six man. And he was doing that well. So, I mean, I, I can definitely see why his camp wasn't happy, maybe why he wasn't happy. Maybe it'll, you know, take, I don't know. I, w- do you think it'll really take that much off of his contract in the upcoming season? I mean, regardless, he played well. Um, yeah. Well, I think he interest- would have put up the same numbers, regardless if he mm-hmm. was starting or not. He played. Yeah, he got he got his minutes, and he was in the yeah. closing lineup. You're right. Yeah. But the interesting thing with his contract is the Kings got to extend their qualifying offer to him, you know, which is going to be $6.6 million, and then – they're going to be able to match any other offer sheet that comes his way from any other team because he's a restricted free agent. So like the Kings basically have control here, but I think the idea with moving him and also just to, to point out, um, you know, at the end of the season, DiVincenzo was kind of asked about the contract situation and his feeling about staying in Sacramento. And he seemed really open and positive and as if his, you know, immediate mindset was that he was going to be in Sacramento. Um, I think we wrote about that as well. And, um, you know, so I do think you're right. He will be on the team. But the real interesting thing is that the Kings have an option here that if they can get DiVincenzo to agree, and this would be maybe to get, you know, a big name player of some sort and make a big move in the draft or something like that, would be some kind of sign and trade agreement. I think that's the only instance that Ham was really referring to. Um in terms of uh, value, because his article was about assets and potential big moves. And I don't know if there's really an example where I can immediately think of moving Dante DiVincenzo in a sign and trade, but it's interesting to think, you know, like with this big, you know, season up ahead um, that they're they're They might have to try every key on the, on the ring, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, th- the Kings, you know, they're 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 there. They, like I've said a million times on this podcast, a good foundation, but they're still they're still lacking a piece or two to really take them to that next level. And not just making them like a, you know, I think they definitely are a solid playing team at this moment. But you know, playing's whatever. You want to be a solid playoff team, and yeah, like we have to make the playoffs first. But you know, if you can go make get that guy who can really boost the team. And, um, you know, upgrade this team to the next level. You, you definitely have to try and get it. You do have assets. You got that fourth pick. You know, if you uh, sign and trade DiVincenzo, like I'm all for it. You have Rashawn Holmes on a cheap contract who probably wants to be moved himself. He probably doesn't want to come off the bench. Um, you know, you have Harrison Barnes in the last year of his contract. Losing Barnes wouldn't, you know, it suck. But if you can get an upgrade from him or, you know, a star player, then I'm all for it. So, you you know, Monte's going to have to play his cards right. He's going to have to look at everything. If he can get a guy, a big-name player, that can make an immediate impact, then, I mean, you have to do it. Sure. For the right price, of course. And, right. um, yeah, I mean. Well, maybe, I, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I remember just the one thing, just kind of substantiating. And, again, I don't think they should move Dante DiVincenzo. I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to be on the Kings next season. I would bet on it. But, you know, they were talking about the 
rumor of the Kings being interested in Malcolm Brogdon. And, you know, that did kind of, you know, you're thinking about, you know, that might involve a move with Holiday. It might not. But it might involve a move with DiVincenzo. I don't know. Um, could be a multiple team thing. I don't. I have no idea. But you start thinking about, well, if they're interested in other guards, and Malcolm Brogdon would be a guy that would be able to do a lot of similar things for it that DiVincenzo does. I mean, he would be a different player, but you know, he would be another kind of high level player that they could either start or have coming off the bench um, and be you know a heavy minutes guy. Um, but that's interesting. And then with Holmes, you know. Um, I do know that there was a report that came out that said teams, um, this was from Bleach Report, teams that are seeking starting centers are like the Raptors, Pistons, Trailblazers, and Hornets. And they mentioned, you know, the Spurs, Jacob Podol, uh, the Bulls, Nikola Vucevic, uh, the Hawks, Clint Capella, and John Collins, uh, Pacers, Turner, and of course, the Kings, Rashawn Holmes, as potential players that could, you know, go to some of those teams. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I think, like Ham said, there's like a 90% chance he's going to be on the move. But, um, you know, uh, it'd be interesting because at the end of the day, you know, you start thinking about, you know, maybe moving back a few spots um, with, with Indiana at six. I feel like at six you could still get Keegan Murray, especially if, you know, Indiana's trading back to get someone like – or trading up to get someone like Jaden Ivey before Detroit can get them or something like that. I don't know if they would do that, but maybe they would. Uh, Halliburton and Ivy pairing would be interesting. Um, and, you know, Detroit might be tempted to take someone else or move back or something like that. You know, Keegan Murray could still land in your lap at six. I feel like that's almost a more probable spot. I feel like you see him at that spot sometimes more often than not on mock drafts. Um, you know, it would be interesting you know, just to think about these things. But I don't know even in that move that DiVincenzo would get moved, you know. But, um, you know, you know, if the Kings are going to make a big move, uh, it kind of brings it all to that idea of them coming into the second spot in the draft, um, which is not, you know, it's something that gets brought up every now and then. I feel like um, how serious it is is still kind of, unknown um unless you could say otherwise but you know that would basically considering the fact that all reports are indicating that orlando is going to take jabari smith um i was going to say jabari parker um jabari (laughs) smith jr (laughs) what the hell um uh number one overall uh then the definite thing would be the kings taking chet holmgren i i would imagine um i think most people agree with that and mm-hmm. um, it's interesting, I guess, starting there, considering, and we can always hash this out. I feel like we always are hashing out the options that the Kings have at the fourth pick. But, you know, uh, more and more things come up every now and then, and uh, it'd be interesting to talk about some of this stuff. And, of course, starting here with, like, moving up to the two spot. How do you think Chet Holmgren fits with the Kings? And do you think it's possible that he could end up with the Kings via the second spot in the draft? Or maybe the more unlikely scenario that he slips to four. Um, Chet, you know, Chet has the potential to be a really good player. Um, I mean, he'd fit in well. He, he's a stretch big who the Kings need and who plays really good defense. Um, 
but it's you know he's a good rebounder and everything like that he brings a lot to the table it's you know <laughs> everything on chet is his frame it's like you know if you're going to be a center or you know a power forward next to sabonis whatever if the kings get homegrown wherever they want to put him you know he, he'll be the stretch big essentially next to sabonis um you know is is his frame going to be able to hold up in the nba that dude weighs like 200 pounds 215 for being what is he 611 7 foot 7 1 7 foot yeah 7 foot yeah so i mean i he did, he can help out he shoots the ball well uh he plays defense he he's a good shot blocker you know cuz sabonis isn't known for his you know interior defense or anything so if holmgren you know if his frame's fine and he can come in and be a big body down low or a body down low and start blocking shots that that'd be huge yeah i would be exactly what the kings need a shot blocking uh big man who can stretch the floor like kind of like a miles turner in a way but um you know but i guess we saw that how that worked in <laughs> indiana with sabonis but yeah. Holmgren, he, he brings a lot to the table um mm -hmm. or he can it's just you know it's the draft it's a crapshoot he's uh he, he, it's just so many it's just a question mark with that body and you know mm -hmm. he, he's gonna have to put on he's gonna have to put on some weight if he wants to hang around with the big boys but i remember when chris Stapps got uh he got drafted and everyone they were just talking about how many times this dude was gonna get postered because he's a seven three just you know looks like a stick but you know he, he's not an all-star or anything but was he was he an all star one year? Actually, he might have been. I don't know, Kristaps. Let me look. I think he might have been an all star one year. I think I was looking it up. I'm like, he was an all star, really? But um, that, that wouldn't really be that surprising. Yeah, he, no, yeah, he, he was in 2017 and 18 with the yeah. Knicks. Yeah. So, I mean, he's an all star player in the league. I think he's a little overhyped. You know, the unicorn thing. I think it's kind of run its course. I don't think he's as good as you know the media gives him. The attention but you know he's he's a starter in this league who can put up 20 points a game mm -hmm. um and he you know he i think he's gotten a little bigger over his time but um you know he, he definitely was making an impact immediate impact you know pretty soon after he got drafted so holmgren can do the same would i really have yeah. smith jr yeah i i wouldn't trade up to the second pick to get holmgren i i don't think the king's I mean, yeah, I, I I think the Kings should only trade up to get Jabari Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why the rumors at the two are, are so weird. And it's like, yeah, I, it doesn't it add up. Pretty, no, it doesn't add up at all. And let me tell you, let me tell you, I yeah. bet that Monty McNair and people in the front office, if you take all the situation behind them and with Ron Adive and the playoff drought away, they would in a heartbeat trade up to get Chet Holmgren. Something tells me that they really like him. If these re if these reports are coming out, somebody's talking about it. Somebody wants him. I just feel that. I don't know, but um, I just but the the fact is that that's just never going to happen. They have to make the playoffs. Holmgren's going to take a few years. He's under two hundred pounds at seven feet tall. That's crazy. I know people that are like five eleven that are like huge like like 250 pounds you know like <laughs> what is going on but i mean he's a tough guy i guess but it's the nba is different 
And I, the, the, the thing with Chris Stapps is true. That's a good comparison. He's a far more defensive guy. He's fluid in his motion. That's something that's good. It's not like he's just like a big guy that tries to battle down low all the time. He's able to move with pretty lateral uh, swiftness and fluidity. Um, and he's, he's a pretty good rim protector because of that. And a pretty multi-dimensional defender because of that. And I think that's what you're going to get. He could be a Kristaps Porzingis type with a defensive specialty. He, he it, It'd be interesting to know how much the Kings believe if they were actually going to trade up to get him. And I, I think you're right. I don't know that they will. I just don't think it makes sense. But if they were going to actually trade up to get him, trying to make the playoffs with everything that's going on, if they really thought that he was going to make a big difference, they'd really have to think that his shooting is going to be at a high level as soon as he comes into the league. And I just don't think that anybody can realistically believe that with any rookie. You're not going to get like a 38% shooter always out of every uh, person that you think has shooting uh, chops coming into the league. Everything's different. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see. But, you know, I think Holmgren could potentially, you know, they do say he is has the highest ceiling for a reason. I don't think many people dispute that. But he's also called the most polarizing prospect in the draft for the for for, for reasons that we were just talking about. And uh, it's just too big of a question mark for them. Whereas, you know, Smith makes so much sense, but that just seems so out of reach now that Orlando seems to have their hands all over him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that brings to question, you know, because the even maybe more NBA ready um, than, than Smith and maybe maybe a little less so than Paolo Banquero, but I think he makes the le- least sense for the Kings just because his play style probably matches up too much with Sabonis and, that just wouldn't make any sense having him out there um, in a starting role. Um, but Keegan Murray is really where it gets interesting because I think for a lot of people, they ask the question, um, is he worth taking at four? And um, who's the guy that oh, – I forget his name, and I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful, but uh, I, don't, I forget his name. The guy that's on ABC 10. Um, Kevin John. Matt George. Matt George. Matt George is really high on uh, Keegan Murray. They think he thinks that the Kings should just take him at four, which I think is fair, but I also think it's kind of a reach and not thinking about the full potential of what you have at the fourth pick. Because Keegan Murray would be an instant starter. He'd be an instant impact. You know, he does a lot of things that are really good, and he'd be able to be a essential stretch four for the Kings and playing really well next to Sabonis. Um, he obviously probably doesn't have the same ceiling as Holmgren, but in terms of effect day one, I think I would much rather bet on Murray. But again, it's like, do you take him at four? Or do you think about trading back? Because that seems to be another kind of pivot point. It's almost like Keegan Murray is like the living embodiment of this fourth pick in this position. It's like, what do you do with it? What exactly is going on? I mean, it, it's just it's such a perfect matchup between the two because it just it doesn't have a clear clear path forward i mean what do you think i don't mind taking keegan murray just not at the fourth pick um Mm -hmm. you have to choose you have to because it's been working out so well uh with under monte and you have to do best player available um whoever between you know i it's i think the top four is smith holmgren Vancaro and Ivy. Um, and, you know, you hear Ivy like jumping around too, maybe Holmgren even jumping or, you know, having the most potential to drop to the four spot potentially. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Murray, he, he he's like the obviously the best fit. Um, 
you know, assuming you can't get Smith or Holmgren. Because if Holmgren drops to the fourth, I'm like, awesome. I'd honestly be happy with that. I'd rather have Holmgren than Murray, even though it seems like Murray's more of um, a better fit, you know, right now. I think you still, you know, right. You'd rather have Holmgren regardless at that fourth spot if he drops to you. Like trading yeah, up for yeah, two is kind of risky. He, if he if he lands in your lap at four, yeah, because he could still start. He could still be a major impact and like play minutes. It's just like he's not going to be as good as Keegan Murray, I think, in his first yeah. season, maybe even yeah, his first two he, seasons. Yeah, he, he definitely, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be a project, but you know, he has that potential, that high ceiling. Um, I mean, Porzingis came into the league and started all his games, you know? Yeah. He started mm-hmm. every game when he was on the Knicks, you know? I think he started every game of his career, all all but one. Wow. Um, so, you know, he I, – I would imagine that he could come in and, and start just that effectiveness level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But back to Murray, it's you, – you can't take him out the four solely off of best player available. But going back to, you know, what we were talking about with trading back and, you know, if you can pick up a solid veteran in the process while getting, you know, a pick within the top 10 where you could still snag Murray, then I'm all for it. I mean, it's a great fit. Um, He's a good player. You know, a top 10 draft pick is a top 10 draft pick. Um, You know, I, I would be happy with it if you could get another veteran. Um, it's just, you know, it's just so weird at that four spot. The Kings don't draft top five a lot. And you just have to get that best player. And, you know, like kind of going back to Halliburton, you, you draft the best player available, regardless if it was the best fit or not. Um, we all loved Halliburton. He, he turned into, you know, a solid player for, you know, a year and a half in sack. But you turn him into Sabonis, you get Ivy, you can turn him into something else if uh, he doesn't, you know, actually line up with Fox or something like that. So, um, I don't know. That's all I have to say on it, really. I like Murray. I wouldn't mind if he's on the Kings. You, ju- you just don't draft him with that four spot. I'm all for trading back to get him and grabbing someone else in the process, but you can't waste the fourth pick on him. Right. Yeah, I mean... And it just brings all the... I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I just think that there's too many things that you can do to make this roster better. And if that is indeed what the goal is to make the playoffs next season, that's probably what they're going to do. They're going to do what they think is going to make the roster overall better. Um, uh, you know, And then whenever they pick, they'll get the best player available. You know what I mean? So it, it all adds up in that, in that regard. And people have talked about potential you know, situations... You know, it was like basically trading back with Indiana, getting Brogdon or getting TJ Warren and a sign and trade, um, maybe moving with Portland to get Josh Hart or somebody else or somebody on the Spurs that's coming to the end of their contract um, uh, and also having a pick swap because they're at nine. Um, but I don't know if any of those really call out. I mean, the Brogdon one, like I said, it just kind of seems to, unless you're moving holiday or doing something grand to get, somebody else and you're moving DiVincenzo or something like that, which I just don't think is going to happen, but all things have to be considered because uh, uh, no, at the end of the day, nobody knows what the hell is going to happen. Um, or at least we don't, but uh, uh, you know, I, it just, I, can you think of anything else that, that, I mean, Jeremy Grant is another one um, with Detroit, but um, you know, I don't know. I mean, 
it, it gets interesting because at the end of the day, you start looking at the draft order. You start looking at the teams that might want to move up. Um, and at the end of the day, you're like, almost anybody could move up. Um, there's, of course, the thing with, you know, moving back with Atlanta uh, and either getting John Collins or not, something like that. I think that depends on whether you want to keep Barnes or not. Um, but, you know, in that regard, you know, moving either to the late kind of uh, late mid to late lottery or just out of the lottery if you're trading with Atlanta because they're at 16. I mean, there's so many options and there's so many people that, you know, in that range that are interesting. Is there anybody, you know, kind of that like screams your name or anybody like that, that you wouldn't mind trading back a little bit to get? And it could be Keegan Murray. I I feel like that's fair, but anybody else, you know, anybody that, that you're thinking about? Um, you know, nobody that necessarily screams at me where I'm like, oh, like, I really like this guy. Um, I, I think my focus personally, because this is a year where the Kings are trying to make the playoffs, um, I think what they need to do with this draft pick is get an immediate impact player. Um, I, I think. That like I think that that's my ultimate goal for them. I I think like best case scenario in my head is trade back, stay within the lottery, but also grab like if you can somehow get that Brogdon or Jeremy Grant or someone like that, um, and you know like and then grab best player available or whatever with that lottery pick. Um, right. I think that's what's you know yelling at me the most, mm-hmm. um, for what the Kings should do, because you know. The, like you said, we, the Kings need to break this playoff drought. And, it, you know, you want that rookie and you want that stock, um, you know, and a guy who can, can develop in a star. But, you know, the Kings are they're kind of built to win now. They, they kind of did that quick rebuild by getting Sabonis, if you even call it a rebuild. They chose that direction to win. Now it's time to win. You have Fox, you have Sabonis, and you have this fourth pick. You're given this fourth pick. Yeah, you can get, grab like an Ivy or something like that. You know, Sabonis only has two years left. You know, you, you kind of have to convince him that he he, he should stay in sack. If you, the Kings don't make the playoffs this year, then you're really fighting the next season to make the playoffs. Or Sabonis might leave in that whole trade and getting rid of Halliburton will just, you know, it could be a waste. So mm-hmm. um, you, you have to make the playoffs, show that, you know, you're serious. And I think being serious is, you know, being able to get – rid of that fourth pick and turning it into a veteran because at the end of the day you know any of these guys can become you know irrelevant in the league and we've, we've seen that far too many times with the king's draft picks whether it was a good pick or not um you know if it seemed right in the moment but uh i don't know you have to get that you have to get that that win now player to yeah. really bolster this team so yeah i th- I think a guy that we don't talk about enough in this scenario is, is AJ Griffin out of Duke. And, yeah. Um, Cause if you could find a situation where you improve the roster with a veteran, keep Harrison Barnes and have AJ Griffin. I mean, I don't know if that happens, <laughs> but there's so many <laughs> damn scenarios out there that I kind of lose track of when you keep guys, when you have to lose money, all that stuff, you might have to get rid of, money there but i think if you're getting someone like brogdon or grant i feel like you only have to get rid of uh, holmes's money and maybe someone like mo harkless or something like that um 
I could be mistaken there. But in a situation like that, I mean, like, you start talking about dream scenarios. It's not a bad dream scenario. I also like the idea of maybe pulling away. This would require giving up Barnes, but getting John Collins and getting someone like Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, who's really risen his stock by what he did at the Combine. And he offers just a great, you know, little bit of uh, shooting that should be able to translate to the NBA. I mean, he shot 39% at Santa, 39.6% at Santa Clara last season um, with a stroke that people uh, uh, at ESPN, you know, Mike Schmitz described as uh, projectable enough to transfer to the next level. And you start looking at that. I mean, like he's one of those guys that people talk about, maybe not to the same exact level AJ Griffin is because he tops this list. But these guys that are going to be able to come in there and shoot at a high level, be productive. Um, the only problem with that trade is um, if you're losing Barnes, then you might be relying on Williams to start as a rookie, and you're getting him at that point at the sixteenth pick, and you know you probably wouldn't get bad production out of him, but it's like you'd be really gaining a lot at one position in the starting lineup, but losing a lot in another. And I don't know if that's worth it. So I don't know if there's like anybody else or if there's any other kind of interesting dream scenarios. Cause I don't know if there's a single one that I can think of unless the Kings somehow, you know, um, did it like Rana Dive did a crazy bet with the magic owner and Rana Dive won and the magic had to trade the number one picked him. Um, I don't know what kind of, you know, depraved things they'd be betting about, you know, those billionaires. But um, it'd be interesting to know, you know, like if, if, if they got like Jabari Smith. But I mean, like, you know, it's interesting to know uh, what other people's kind of, uh, you know, uh, dream scenarios are. And I don't know if there's any other kind of like draft picks that scream out to you like a draft pick uh, veteran combo specifically. I know you mentioned some of those veteran names, but is there any of those guys in the kind of mid first round kind of maybe late lottery that kind of scream your name um you know i guess like jeremy sochan from baylor you know that defensive guy pairing him up with davion mitchell uh you know the two baylor bears two defensive oriented guys that'd be you know be kind of fun kind of interesting kings always need defense and drafting defensive minded guys wouldn't be too bad um I like that guy from Kansas as well. Um, oh, Oche Agbaji. Yeah, I like him. He definitely he interests me. National champion too, kind of like uh, you know, like Davion was coming out of the draft last year. So, mm-hmm. um, I like those two names. I don't know those mid late lottery guys. It's hard to get excited about them as it is. You know, being having that fourth pick right now, you know, you're looking at the Ivies, you're looking at the Shady Sharps, talking about Keegan Murray's. So I guess I mean I do want to trade back, so I should probably get a little more interested in these, you know, later um, you know, lottery picks. But um yeah. I don't know. No one no one that absolutely screams at me, unfortunately. But uh what what about yourself? Uh just some I I just uh, AJ Griffin makes a lot of sense. And then, like I said, yeah, Jalen like Williams too. is kind of interesting. I like the whole Santa Clara thing. Um, but I like, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll hijack you. I, I like Griffin. I like Griffin myself. He's a, he's a big guy. Um, you know, he could potentially play as a stretch four. he's what six, like six, seven ish. Right. Um, seems like he can mm-hmm. play as like from a shooting guard, maybe to a stretch four Cause he, he's a pretty built guy. Big body guy, yeah. Um, yeah, big body guy. So, you know, he has the best 
He shot what, like 43, 44% from three mm-hmm. in college. Um, you know, he's kind of, kind of maybe doesn't show up in big moments sometimes or can go quiet. But, you know, shooting's at a premium in the NBA, and especially at his size, he definitely is an intriguing prospect as well. Sure. Um, I thought he was going to be a little higher on draft boards in college, but, you know, I mm-hmm. understand why he's kind of dropped a little. Um, right. And why like guys like Ivy and Sharp have kind of shot above him, but mm-hmm. um, you know, no Griffin, you know, Fox isn't a shooter. If you can develop AJ Griffin into that shooter and put him on the floor with Fox and Sabonis, yeah. I think that's great. You, the Kings need all the shooting they can get. If you can start shooting uh, at a high percentage from day one, then all the better. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind trading back and getting him as well. He's yeah. The only thing. That- the only thing that concerns me about Griffin is the injury history. Other yeah. than that, you take that out of the equation, he's a day one impact player without a doubt. The only doubt is, is you know, maybe he gets hurt or something like that. But a guy that I like is ben- Benedict Mathurin um, out yeah, of Arizona. Arizona. And I, the, the only reason I yeah. like him a lot is because the Spurs like him a lot. And the Spurs have been looking at this guy for years. And they're in like on every mock draft, everyone has Mathurin going nine to, to San Antonio. And, you know, maybe you trade back to seven or eight and you just steal them. Because I just feel like, you know, it's like in football, if the Steelers, like, I don't know, maybe this isn't the same thing, but it's like if the Steelers have a guy, you always want someone to play for the Steelers, especially wide receivers. They're just so well coached. And it's just like if the Spurs are watching a guy, you know, out of college, then they must be a good product. They must be able to be, you know, easily developed and easily translatable to the the NBA. And Mathurin offers a lot of things, you know. He has a pretty decent shot from deep. Um, you know, he's, he he shot only like thirty seven percent, I think, from in, in his last year of college. But he's one of those guys that like consistently shoots from beyond the the the, the college line. Like he's shooting from three point distance usually. So that's like an easily more translatable and transferable percentage rather than some of these guys uh, that that don't do that. You know, that that just stand in the corner all the time. But um. Or, or um, you know, um, but uh, the the thing is that I also like about him is that, um, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that you start talking about a situation where he's just going to maybe be plugged into the starting lineup, maybe not. The point is he's not going to be like the primary option. And when he's keeping things simple, that's when he's at his best. And so when he doesn't have to do too much, I feel like he'll really thrive and that'll really help him develop. And I think that's part of the reason why the Spurs want him is because, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that is going to work with the team. And it's, he's a really good, uh, he's going to be really easily integrated into uh, a good environment in the NBA. So I think that that wouldn't be a bad pick trading back for it either. I mean, you start thinking about guys that could really actually start or make a pretty big impact as a rookie. Um, those are the ones, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, kind of you know. Go, uh-huh. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, just talking about all this draft stuff. I mean, we kind of talked about it, or you brought it up for a quick second. Um, you know, in these trades and dream scenarios about bringing some guy in, and how you know Barnes has a hefty contract. If you want to bring some guy in, Barnes might have to get moved. I think the Kings have to. You know, if you don't have to trade Barnes. Don't trade Barnes. He, he he does a lot. 
I don't know. I, I've always been a guy to overlook Barnes since we've got him. Um, you know, he just he doesn't seem like a, a guy who really pushes the needle that much. And he he didn't because the Kings kind of over, you know, estimated of what he could do as a second option, essentially, when he should be more like a third or fourth option. Um, mm-hmm. But even on top of that, he you know, he plays good defense. Um, he plays a lot of games. He, you know, he 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 plays most of the season, doesn't really get hurt often. He'll, he'll go out sometimes and he'll, he gets tired, but he's a good, you know, locker room guy. And he he he's been holding down that that three spot for a minute now, and the Kings need to get him that backup to give him some more rest because I don't know who's Barney. And he's a forty percent three point shooter, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he yeah. I think I mean he had a pretty good year last year, like seventeen five and three, you know, kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, almost kind of like a glue guy, and so like you kind of bring up like the John Collins. I I'd rather have Barnes than Collins. I know Collins has that, you know, kind of that bigger name, power forward, stretch four, can score yeah. well. But he he just doesn't bring the stuff that Barnes does. Barnes is a good defender as well, if I didn't say that. And he can play the 3 or the 4. Um mm-hmm. you'd be banking a lot getting John Collins cuz you're going to have to pay him too. Yeah. And yeah. So that I mean one thing is like with the Jalen Williams, if, if even if I want Jalen Williams, I know Bleacher Report did a mock draft where um, they had uh, the Kings trading with the Hawks to get ultimately trade uh, or to, to draft uh, Jalen Williams, um, but they don't get John Collins. I forget who they get. Let me let me look. But um, there's also that option, which I think is probably far more prudent, considering the things you're saying. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. No. Never mind. I think it was a different one that did it. I don't remember which one it was, but someone did. And I forget which Hawks player they have the Kings getting. But there's potential for for them to still do a trade like that, and not get John Collins. I don't know, because I think from what I've seen, I think what you're exactly saying is like most people wouldn't want to get John Collins if they had to give up Harrison Barnes. Like that's just not really gonna cut it and i think a lot of people are right <laughs> so um yeah because and just considering he'd have to really come in and just be an absolute stud which is just I mean, it's not 100 percent. you'd be paying him it's just i don't i don't know that just seems like a whole other problem on its own and like you said barnes you know you don't ever hear him about wanting to be moved or having issues with with any kind of like contract situation or anything like that. I mean, he got paid by Vladi Divac, but you know, shoot, he he's not he's he's just a good presence to have around. And he's uh, you know he's been there for a while and maybe hasn't done as much. But what is the guy supposed to do in terms of changing a culture on his own? He's gonna be like you said that glue guy. And um, I don't know if you want to move him unless you're getting someone like Donovan Mitchell. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mitchell, like <laughs> you know. <laughs> a guy of Mitchell's caliber, yeah, you would have to get rid of Barnes, but you know, like the Collins or even like Jeremy Grant, um, I'd, yeah, you know, I'd just be kind of, an, I'm like Grant would be interesting, but it's almost like the same player at that point. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. Like, I'm point? just like, I don't know what you're doing there. I mean, yeah. well stick with the <laughs> stick with. The, you're talking about continuity with this damn franchise, you know? Yes. <laughs> what are you gonna do with that? But you know, um. Yeah, I just think, you know, 
Because if Donovan Mitchell came, just on that note, I mean, if he comes, one of the things that happens is guys are far more willing to come on like veteran minimum deals. <laughs> you know, people want to come try to compete or something like that, maybe. I don't know. The Kings would have to maybe really flaunt some stuff and maybe that have to take a year. But you have Donovan Mitchell on your team, instantly people are like, okay, maybe there's something different there. You know, I don't think people are going to look at that and go like, oh, Donovan Mitchell's, you know, going to, you know, he just signed his life away. I mean, there's a potential for that, I guess, anytime you sign anywhere. But, um, you know, it's not like, you know, the Kings have never really had anybody big name come in like that. You know, it's not like they're the Knicks, you know, where people get eaten alive there. But, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting because in that scenario, giving up Barnes, you still might be able to gain a lot of people, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know who. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, there's just so many scenarios out there. It's hard to pinpoint and remember every single one. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I guess don't get, don't, don't get rid of Barnes. And uh, if you, you know, if you don't have to. Like Mitchell, yeah, you kind of have to. Collins, no. Grant, no. Um, but I get it. You know, Barnes has kind of that bigger contract where it's like, okay, one year left on his deal. Like, obviously, he's more tradable than Fox or Sabonis. Um, so I, I see why you have to bring him up in trades to get that big name guy because those big name guys come with those big contracts. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'll be we'll see we'll see what they do with the trade. But I'd be surprised if Barnes get moved got moved for anything less than like an all star player, right? Which was interesting that James Ham had it at fifty fifty that he gets moved. Yeah, so. yeah. Unless I mean he knows more about you know bringing in an all star. I mean mm-hmm. I don't know. I I know a lot of people don't like the Julius Randall idea, um, to Sacramento, but. I don't know. Maybe you trade him for like the Randall type guy, or yeah. you know, because you'd have to move Barnes's contract to get a big contract like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not Randall specifically, but you know, like a guy like Randall or you know those other stars on the block. I know Siakam's not really on the block anymore, but you know, a guy like that too. Right. Yeah, I guess you know. I guess the one thing with what Ham said about the fifty-fifty move. Um, I think it had to do with the fact that, like, I think it's kind of dependent that the Kings make the playoffs. Another thing that's kind of important about making the playoffs, I guess I should say, is that that's kind of going to be big in terms of whether or not Harrison Barnes wants to do another tour of duty, as Ham puts it, um, with the Kings. And, you know, as he says, if, you know, Barnes doesn't sign, doesn't want to sign an extension with Sacramento, then this is the time to trade him. This is the time to get some value. And, you know, it, uh, I guess th- at that point it makes sense, but I don't know about 50-50. He said chance of returning to the Kings is 50-50, and that might be generous. So I, I don't know if that – Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's, he, got, he put Davion Mitchell in here. He says he's going to return to the Kings with a 90% chance. So, you know, I don't know. And Barnes just gets thrown around, too, just because of the contract thing. But, I mean, like, once you get rid of Holmes and, you know, we see what happens with that deal or what they end up doing with extra cap space there, what other moves they maneuver um, in there, 
um, you know, I guess we might get a better idea, but it's just hard to see, you know, this team just trading Harrison Barnes to, to, to just get maybe moderately better or like, like, and when I say moderately, like slightly better, if, if at all, they might just end up being the same. Mm -hmm. Um, They'd really have to hit a home run to get rid of him, which, you know, maybe might be a positive way of looking at that 50, 50, move from yeah bonds. exactly yeah, but who who the hell knows? knows exactly who knows yeah. it, it is interesting 50 50 but no that's a good point he's on his contract here like he's not gonna resign i don't know even if he i don't even if he is skeptical about resigning you still have to wait to the deadline and see where you're at because barnes you try to make the playoffs barnes you know he can help you do that regardless if he wants to come back the next year or not like mm-hmm He's on your team now. You have to utilize him. If you know the Kings start sucking, then you know that's when you go to the deadline and try to move him. But um, even if he tells you right now, it's like I I don't think I'm gonna stay in sack. Um, well, I mean, obviously you trade him for like a Collins or something, but you you just don't get rid of him for like draft mm-hmm. capital or something. In my opinion, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot, lot to think about, and you know. The Kings are going to do what they're going to do to try to make the playoffs, and that might be something crazy. That might be a little something more straightforward. It might be something in the middle. Um, luckily, we don't have to worry about making that decision. All we have to yeah. do is comment on it. So fun, you know? Uh, looking yeah. forward to seeing what the hell happens. <laughs> we get the easy part. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be, you know, we got the head coach down, the draft, ten, what, 10 days away, nine yeah. days away. Um, you know, free agency after that, which, you know, and, you know, I guess let's focus on the draft, what to do with this pick and, uh, you know, who to draft if we still have a draft pick after it, um, which I assume we will somewhere in the lottery, um, whether it's at the fourth pick or move back a little or at the second spot. Um, it's exciting. It's, it's an exciting time in Sacramento and the fourth spot really amplifies it all right now. Mm-hmm. It's always exciting when nobody knows what the heck is going on. Exactly, right? It's like, all right, that speculation comes out. People's opinions start coming out. You get to see, like, all these, you know, different points of view. It's fun, you know? It's a fun time to be a fan, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the NBA Finals are going on on top of that. And, uh, hell, it's a it's a good time for basketball early June. Yeah. Yeah, it or is. Or mid-June. Or is it mid-June? Is it mid-June? It's uh, mid-June. Yeah, it's, We're kind of that yeah, mid about mid-June. Yeah, whatever. Early June's acceptable. But Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Well, that was pretty good. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it, folks. Uh, Tony and John here. We're going to sign off. Uh, until next time.